0: What's up everybody? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch and I'm your host. Today's guest is Hannah Eden. When I tell you that this interview is one of the most powerful interviews that we've ever done here on the Active Life Podcast, I am not messing around. I started this interview looking for the opportunity to teach people through Hannah's experiences, how to go from doing something that they had to do, like bartending and coaching CrossFit classes on the side to make an income while you figure out what you really want to do, to being able to do exactly what you wanna do in any given moment at any given time, because that's what Hannah does now. But what I learned on this podcast about Hannah and from Hannah was mind-blowing from a state of why she does it and how she knows that what she's doing is what she needs to be doing. We talk about everything from building a business leaving a business, relationships, death and family, friends. It it was this interview was insane. I'm not I'm not going to introduce it anymore. I'll let you guys listen to it um, when you love it and you will love it. Please send it to a friend. Please send it to a friend. That's what we ask. Just make sure somebody else hears it as well. Give us a rating. Give us a review on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you're listening. And the last thing I want to tell you is that we have some workshops coming up June 9th, June 10th at CrossFit 516 in Mineola, New York. We have Southern California. That's the next one. Man, my mind blanked there for a second. Red Wolf CrossFit in Huntington Beach, California on september 29th and september 30th and then we're going to be coaching coaches again in Cypress, texas at behemoth crossfit on november 17th and november 18th if you're interested in any of those head to performancecarerx.com rx.com and get yourself registered guys this interview is awesome tune in buckle up this chick is on fire here we go hannah eden welcome to the active life podcast
1: Hi, Sean. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. I've been looking forward to having you because you're one of the people who I follow on Instagram just because for me, it's fun. It's fun to follow you on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the red hair, if it's the exercise videos that you do, if it's the way that you do them, but something about it I enjoy. So, Thanks.
1: what do you prefer? To, what do you say is fun when I post stuff or what I put onto stories?
0: I think all of it. It's just, you know, some people, some people I follow because I just find that I learn from them fairly naturally and, and you're one of those people. And what I mean by that is I'm learning how to better run my own social media account because the way that you run yours is better than the way that I run mine. We well, can
1: thank
0: you. we can start there. Um, I really
1: have no idea what I'm doing. I swear.
0: <laughs> but I get, then it comes naturally to you. <laughs> so that's one, and number two, when I watch, you know, uh, maybe what once or twice a week, maybe three times a week, you're posting a video of you working out in a group. I watch it and I'm like, that's pretty awesome, because right now in in the phase of life that I'm in, I don't really want to chase prs anymore i don't want to chase how much weight i can squat clean or how much weight i can squat, you know back squat down. i don't care right now i relate to people who do but i just don't care and then i watch you work out and i'm not suggesting that you don't do any of that kind of stuff but it doesn't look like it's the primary thing that you're doing
1: yeah that 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 is true um it used to be that's kind of where i began and that was that was all that for me fitness was about was how much you can lift how many reps you can get and you know, after injuries and such, it's definitely my uh, state of mind has changed now.
0: What kind of injuries did you have?
1: Um, I had, I, I have three degenerated discs in my spine. Just it was no, ne- I never had one acute injury. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of damage done over time. It started as bulged discs, which I knew about and I ignored it um, and pushed past the pain, kind of mentality because I was getting good, and I thought that that was normal. I thought if you were an elite athlete, then everyone must endure that much pain little did i know mm-hmm. <laughs> you know well, and now the damage is done and it's it's too late i have no regrets necessarily I, I it was just due to being uneducated and making bad decisions which were all you know my choice um but if i had known and i could turn back time maybe i would have done a lot of things differently
0: well i think we all have those experiences if i could if i could turn back time there's <laughs> there's a lot of things i would do yeah. Well, so whenever we do a, a podcast like these, my goal for our audience is for them to be able to learn from you and from what what you did well and what you did poorly so that they can look forward and say okay, I'm not going to do those things because Hannah already told me they didn't work for her and the reasons why she provided them make pretty good sense and these things do work and I need to just bury my head into those. So I think that you have a lot of opportunity here to help a lot of people because what you're doing, frankly, is inspiring to me, you know, traveling around the world, doing things for charity, doing things for yourself, all of it is awesome. And the way that you've been able to create your business out of what you're already enjoying and what you're already good at, I think is phenomenal. And I really want to dig into that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, should I start?
0: Sure. I mean, you can go ahead and start. If, if, if you just can start with
1: without... If I'm talking too much, like, just tell me to stop.
0: There's no such thing. Right? No, nobody, okay. nobody listens to my podcast to listen to me.
1: Okay. All right. That, I guess that's why you're good at what you do, right? Because you bring, I guess, some cool people here and I, people want to tune in. That's the idea. Right. So I guess I should rewind uh, to 2012. Um, I went from zero to 100, Real, real quick. So I had nothing to do with the fitness industry. I was actually on the total other end of the spectrum. I was this wild child, like we had touched on briefly. I moved from Massachusetts, um, which was the original state that I had moved from from England. Um, When I moved from England, it wasn't necessarily by choice. So I I was not the best teenager at sixteen. You know, I finished um, high school and then said, "All right, mom and dad, I'm out, and I'm getting away from you guys, and getting away from this cold snow." So I came down to Florida. And I've been here ever since, but my journey at the beginning of touching the ground in Florida was very different than where I am now. Um, like I said before, no regrets, but just a very different lifestyle. So I got, uh, um, I was heavily in, I was going to school for photography, which was great. And I still have my bachelor's in, in, a, in photography, but I was also bartending and working in the hospitality industry and, uh, and the nightlife. And I got wrapped up in that nightlife pretty, pretty quickly, had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, just turning 21. I don't even think I was 21 yet when I first came down to Florida, but I had a great time. Um, but I was extremely, extremely unhealthy. I had a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, no exercise, barely any food. I was a workhorse. Like I was saying, I'd work days, work nights, go to school. And this vicious cycle kind of put me in a bad place and I ended up weighing like 105 pounds and I'm, I'm five nine right now. I weigh I'm the lightest I've been for a while, and right now I'm 142. So you can imagine that's like 40 to 50 pounds, like that was just skin and bone. No muscle, no fat. It was t- I was tiny and extremely unhealthy. Uh, a friend of mine that worked with me in the bar, uh, still my best friend to today, asked me if I wanted to try something out called CrossFit, which I had no idea what CrossFit was, and I don't think he even did really. Um, but after trying it out, I got pretty good and i liked it and i and i have an addictive personality which may be why i'm good at what i do now and why i've had not so many great things happen to me in the past but i've managed to find a way to channel that addictive personality into something good which is you know business and and fitness and such um but dove into headfirst into crossfit it was pretty intense got good really quick um And that may be something also why I didn't care about the pain is because I'd never been great at something. And as a, as a young female, when you feel like you're on top, you kind of hold on to that feeling. And I just wanted it now. I was training as an elite athlete, maybe one or two months into beginning CrossFit with zero athletic background. I got so strong, so quick. I went, I know, like I said, the 105 to 155, 160 in, in less than a year. And I think that the mistakes that I made as far as my body went was that I had gained too much strength too quickly. And I was working the prime movers. I was doing everything that I wanted to do because everyone else was doing it on social media. I was, you know, trying to PR every day. I was listening. I never did any of the accessory work that all of these elite athletes were doing, but just not highlighting through their social media. And I was comparing my numbers to China Cho, to Annie Thoris. I mean, come on, I've been doing this for six months. Like, I'm never going to be there. They've been doing this for years. And before they started CrossFit... They probably had a strength and conditioning background for years before that, or gymnastics, or whatever it was. So that was a big mistake of mine. And if there's something could take, if anyone could take anything away from that, would be just remember that people on social media, that are early athletes are paid and also uh, thrive off showing their best, their best parts, right? So their their victories, not not necessarily their fails or the boring shit that you have to do in order to be able to do the the cool stuff. Well,
0: Uh, I think, I think that you just, you just touched on a few things that I hear from people a lot and that is I got into CrossFit or I got into whatever my sport is and I was pretty good at it naturally. So the coaches there were like, Hey, you're really good at this. If only you were stronger, you could be great at it. But now you've never developed any kind of chronic volume in squatting, with lightweight, You've never developed the skill, you've never developed the durability, the resistance to injury, doing things with lightweight and making sure your form is correct and making sure that you can repeat the task over and over and over and over and over again at relative intensities. Because someone was like, hey, you're a good athlete. We can make you great. Let's go heavy. And then that's what happens. And we see this, believe it or not. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you are with what we do, but we take athletes who are dealing with injury and we help them to get over it so that they can go back and perform the way they want to perform. And we see this with everything from your novice CrossFit athlete to the people like you were describing, the CrossFit Games athletes and champions even, who have never built the light resistance to injury foundation because they came in, they were good and everyone said, let's go heavy.
1: Mm -hmm. So it's wild. It is wild. And, and, and you know, I never want to blame it on a coach because you always want to find someone else to blame it, it, it mm-hmm. on, right? But, man, I wish someone had whipped me aside. as a coach now. Like, I'm talking about 35 to 44, maybe 53-pound kettlebells. I'm a psycho on the people that come into my gym because, it, like, I know about threshold training, and I know that you think that you can do something, and I'm sure you can. And you may not feel pain now, but you keep doing that and jumping – Jumping the four or five levels in between, whether it's a month, three months, four months, a year from now, you're going to have an issue. And I've watched it happen. It's just, it's like a slow, painful injury that takes a long time to happen. But once you get there, there's no coming back from that. And I think trying to educate the people that come into my doors now that are not athletes, they're not trying to be athletes. They're just trying to get in shape and learn to like fitness to, un- to help educate that market that there has to be longevity and fitness. Otherwise, this is going to be over really soon. Is, is a really hard thing to do because people don't understand that that they want to be doing this for 15, 20 years. Usually when they come in through doors, whether it's CrossFit or just a regular gym that people are just trying to get in shape for, it's for aesthetic reasons. You know, I, I have an event coming up that I need to look good for. So they're going to go as hard as they can for three months to shred for the wedding maybe or whatever it is. Then what? Are you going to continue? Because if you are, you can't keep that much, that intensity up for forever. But if you're not, you can't. You know, I'm trying to educate people that just stay at a nice, smooth, steady pace, and you'll be in the game for a while. You'll learn to love it. You'll see cool victories. You'll see some things that you can improve on. But trying to educate the market in that aspect is is not an easy thing to do. But I think from coming from an their their side and being an athlete, that's easier for me to understand, and maybe a little easier for me to kind of uh try and educate the market in a in a in a subtle way rather than being so abrupt and aggressive. Like do not do that. Trying to explain why. Um so that was the athlete state of mind. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No no that's okay. But but I was gonna say so you have a studio where people can come in and train with you. But that's not what you that is not the the, the vast majority of where your time is spent, right?
1: That is true. So I I have a few things going on. Um I have a gym in, in in Fort Lauderdale which was kind of a, a story from the, being an athlete, right? What's so a gym, that
0: what's a gym called?
1: It's called Pump Fit Club. Okay. So there was a high-intensity interval training gym that's down here in Fort Lauderdale, But the funny story behind it is it came from my background. So the gym that I was training at as an athlete, um, and I was doing really well, competed at an elite level, our gym. Our team did really well. We came in 16th on the year that they only took 15 teams to go to regionals and it destroyed us all. I mm-hmm. was like, ah, I wish we'd come in last rather than one spot away. It, that was rough, mm-hmm. but cool victory as well. Um, I created a the, – the, the owner of the gym said, hey, that we have this class at 7.30 that's not doing well. Is there any way you can, like, create some kind of boot camp or something? And at that point, I was a CrossFit coach. I said, absolutely. Let me try and experiment with something – because although I was in deep to CrossFit, I also had my hand on the outside world as well in that hospitality industry that I was talking about. So I understood that there was a lot of people that like, frowned upon CrossFit and thought that it was so terrifying and scary. And a lot of the girls or a lot of even the guys that I work with refused to try it. So I thought, all right, let me try and create something that gives the same feeling, the same result, but without the intimidating, scary, injury-prone movements. So I totally dis- eliminated the barbell. Said, so, all right, let's do something different. Let's use kettlebells or let's do high intensity interval training or time-based workouts rather than reps. Because
0: can, wow, I, can, can I ask you, can I ask you a question before you actually get into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your, your boss, we'll call him your boss says, Hannah, I'd like you to design a class that can make our seven o'clock a more busy hour. Right now mm-hmm. I think, and, and I could be wrong, but I think most people would say, sure. And the next day they would show up and wing it. There'd be something there. Maybe they would think about it for a night or two nights. They'd put together some kind of like CrossFit light class, and that would be what they did. You didn't do that. No. And that, that, but that's the kind of stuff that people who have it gloss over. Because to you, it's like, of course, why would I just do that? Why would I just show up and coach a CrossFit light class? That wasn't the idea. But I don't want you to, I don't want to let you gloss over it. I want you to really break it down for the people who are listening to this who have the same opportunity that you do, did a CrossFit light kind of thing, and were like, oh, it didn't work. You know, and then they just stopped. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, and now they're frustrated.
1: Yeah. You know, you're really good at this. So now you've said that, you're so right. I didn't. And this is maybe where my photography and my like, subliminal strength to create a brand came around. So whenever I was given that opportunity, I didn't do like what you said. I actually went home and thought, okay, we're in a CrossFit gym. If I say that I'm bringing in a CrossFit class in, people aren't, aren't going to show up because they don't want CrossFit. But how do I let the current members know, which are CrossFitters, that there's a, there's a class that, why would a CrossFitter want to take a class that's not CrossFit? Like that's impossible. It's like taking pulling teeth out. And if, if anyone knows anything about CrossFit, they know that. If you're a CrossFitter, you have tunnel vision and you're a CrossFitter, right? So I'm like, okay, I need to start targeting people that are not members here. So how am I going to do that? So I'm like, okay, let's create a brand. Let's call it PumpFit. Let's create some flyers. So I got the all these members that were coming to the gym that were, you know, girls that were in shape. We did a photo shoot. We created flyers. We decided to create towels that had a logo on to, un, to make sure that people in the gym knew that this class that was coming was not a CrossFit class. so,
0: So you found women who needed a photo shoot for themselves. And you said, we will take the photos of you, but we get access to the photos as well. So you get this portfolio for you and we get this portfolio for our image use.
1: A little bit, but a little bit on the other side. It was more like, I've been watching you since you've been a member here. And what you've done is incredible. And we need to highlight that. Like you have come in here, as a Joe Schmo and you've dedicated without even knowing the last three months of this. And now look at you, not just physically, you're, you, you have had a physical transformation, which is incredible, but also mentally I can see in your, the way you hold yourself. I watch you on social media or I, the way that you do your hair when you come in here, like there were so many things. And I said, I want to celebrate you. Would you like to be involved in something? I'm starting this new class. I'd love to highlight you. You're in great shape. I think you fit the look really well. And man, what an ego boost that was for that girl that 100% deserved to be there and crushed it and is sexy as hell and needs to highlight that body. But at the, on the other side, on the flip side, it, it gave me the opportunity to have access to cool content that were real life people that were real people that were actually training with me. But
0: again, do you, do you realize, I don't even know if you, I, I have to imagine that you do, but do you realize what a big deal that is for what you did I there? Don't, I you, don't, I don't. Okay. I mean. So, so I think, I think most people go to these women in the gym or to these men, whoever they're looking to get photos of and they say, Hey, I'm looking to run this class and I need photos of attractive people. And you're an attractive person. Would you mind if we took some photos and put you on a poster? You, and, and that that that's about me, right? I'm the one who needs those things. So I'm making it about me. You went to them and you said, hey, you have been phenomenal. Look at how you look. Look at how much you have changed. We need to celebrate that. Can we get photos of you so that you can feel sexy, so that you can feel amazing? And then, by the way, we're gonna use them to promote our class because that's how inspiring you are. That's about them.
1: It is about them. And it's always about them. And that's what will separate a good trainer from a bad trainer. Like being a trainer is not about you. Like the second that it comes becomes about you, you got to quit. And this goes for everything that I do. And this is maybe, you know, I know that we're kind of like going all over the place here, but through this, the experience that I'm going through now, like for the first time ever, because I've been forced to is I've been discovering more things about myself than I ever thought I would. And One of them is like the selfless acts that I do unintentionally, like really unintentionally. And this comes down to social media too. Like my friends have, they laugh at me because they're like, dude, you're like one of the biggest names on social media, but yet you don't go on social media. I'm like, I know because I have no idea what's going on in any of my friends' lives. I have no idea what's going on in any of their kids' lives because I don't go on social media for me I don't go on social media for likes or for comments. I go on social media to push content to the world and use it as a tool that is a great platform to reach millions of people. Like the second that I go on social media for me to stroke my ego is the day that I'm done. And I'm almost like fear. I have a fear in my mind that if I look through social media, then I'm going to be like that. Like It freaks me out when people are like, oh yeah, you you had you did this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh my God, I did that six months ago and it was like a 10 second video. You know? <laughs> what the hell, this is so strange. Like I thought it was just something that I was doing and oh my gosh, like, wow, it has really come back around. And I, I guess you're right. Like it is something that I'm unaware of, but I think that helps in, in my power because the second that I'm aware of it, maybe the second that I, I start to blow smoke up my own ass and, and, and do everything that I do for the wrong reasons and I'll burn out. Well,
0: quick. whatever it is you're doing, I'm, I'm very impressed by your ability to, to shift the construct and say, this is not about me. This is about the people who I'm doing this with. And if I can do that for them, it's going to come back for me. Well, so, thank you. so that's really cool. But I, I, I cut you off and I want to get back to the pump fit club because now you're, you're, you're getting these people in, you're doing this, this photo shoot. Now you're going to promote this class to CrossFitters and to non-CrossFitters to be this thing that they can both love. Yeah. Go back to it. I'm sorry.
1: I did, and uh, I think maybe because I was very comfortable at the gym that I had been at. I had grown as an athlete there. You know, I knew a lot of faces, so I did have that advantage of being confident, you know, as as my first experiment of doing something new. So whenever I brought these glasses in, I made them very fun, and that's maybe where that comment from the beginning came from, is that I remember back in the day dripping in sweat from head to toe as a coach getting on top of 30 inch boxes and just like the beats were pumping. Like we made it so fun that I would be screaming and I actually have calluses on my vocal cords because we never had microphones back in the, that day. And we, I was doing this for almost a year, like three classes a day, screaming at the top of my lungs, like making sure that it was fun. Not like, can we curse on this podcast?
0: Yeah. You've already done it twice and we've done yes, it before.
1: Yeah, but, <laughs> right it. More, <laughs> rather than being like, Don't be like a a wimp. That's a nice way of doing like, pick up the fucking weight, like screaming in someone's face. It was more like, we're going to fucking do this, like together energy kind of thing. Trying to switch that state of mind from a CrossFit of like, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You're better than that. It's like, we're better than that. We can do this together. I believe in you, like a very different uh, state of mind. Was that
0: conscious? Was that on purpose or were you?
1: um, I selfishly, when, and I still do it to this day. I tell people what I need my coach to tell me, you know, like I'm talking to people the way that I wish I had a coach could talk to me mm-hmm. and everyone gets ticked in a different way. Some people need to be screamed at and say like, don't be a pussy, put that shit up kind of thing. And that will <laughs> get them going. Me on the other hand, I need someone to rock me and tell me that they believe in me and that I can do this. But at the same time, give me a little slap on the ass and tell me to get my shit going, you know? So I try and balance it. It's like, sour patch it's like sour and then it's really sweet and then it's really sour and then it's really sweet so I go through like a journey within every class that I coach um and before I knew it I had a very restricted schedule like I told you because it was just that one class day I think it was seven thirty p.m Monday Wednesday Friday in a matter of months those classes went from one to two to three to four to 20 to 30 to 40 and now people are driving an hour at 7.30 at night to come take an hour class. They're 45 years old. And then now they're getting home at 10.30 p.m. Like, shit, we're doing something right here. Then we created a logo. Then I was like, all right, got to go on legal Zoom and trademark my logo. Like, 100% Like went home and Googled how to trademark a business, how to create a brand. Like had no idea, but had some creative background from school and had this relentless drive because Monday through Thursday – I didn't wake up until noon because I was a bartender and I didn't start work until Friday night, but then I would work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I was able to pursue a dream Monday through Thursday and make money Friday through Sunday, which paid my bills and allowed me to do everything that I was doing, which I never regret. And some people may seem, look at that like I had to lose a lifestyle. I don't see that like that at all because I had an end goal at the end and I used to go into work sober. I never used to drink towards the end of the journey. Like I had a very, very, very clear understanding of what I was doing and why I was doing it. And the two worlds definitely conflicted. Even when I had the gym here in in Fort Lauderdale at the beginning for the first few months, I would be up at 5 a.m. to coach classes and then have to go work in a bar until maybe 3 a.m. Like I was on this psycho, this this very slippery slope, um, Long story short, with the gym, it went It it became this huge, great thing. Um, And then I think that uh, somewhere inside, it caused a little bit of a sour taste, uh, maybe in my mouth, as well as the guy that owned the gym. Um, And don't get me wrong, as much as people may get this wrong in the past, is I am extremely grateful for the opportunity that I had in the gym that I began this journey at. I was able to build a business without having the risk of failing because I didn't have my own brick and mortar place. I was able to do it inside of their gym. Um, But it got to a point where I was giving a lot of the money that I I was generating for that business to them, quite rightly at the beginning, but somewhere along the way, I knew um, that I had more to give. And I think we had a very brief head bump and uh, some words were said that really ticked me the wrong way. And that night I went home to my my fiance at that time and said, fuck this, bro. If we're going to continue to not know what we're doing and build someone else's business, then let's take that elsewhere and figure it out for ourselves. Like, let's build this business for ourselves rather than someone else that doesn't appreciate where we're at and where, where this could go. And that was maybe September. By October we had keys and by December 1st we were open. Yeah, so, so- –
0: Wait, that was last December, like less than six months that ago? That was
1: 2015. Okay. Yeah.
0: So it, to me, that's such a good example for business owners to be listening to. Because what happened there is you, you ran into a situation where your growth potential exceeded the growth potential in the facility that you were at. And I don't know the gym owner and I'm not knocking the gym owner. This is not an attack on him. If that gym owner had seen the opportunity that existed, there could have been a, hey, Hannah, we're not going to be able to keep running CrossFit classes if you keep growing this. And we need to be able to keep running CrossFit classes. But I would love to open another facility with you where you do this kind of stuff. I'll support you with money, with my expertise for what it means to have to get something zoned to make sure the building is appropriate to do all of those kinds of things. We can have partner gyms. You can own most of that one. I just want to be a part of it because I think you're great. And now all of a sudden that person is still a part of what you're doing right now, which is pump fit club, honey, Eden, fitness doc, all of those great things that they're missing out on.
1: And I do think about that a lot. And I think that maybe in the beginning of our, um, Relationship that could have been something that we would have entertained 100%. But along the way, like I, on and the, the reason why it burnt me so bad, and that was the biggest mi- mistake or best failure I've ever had um, because I learned so much from it. It was personal to me. You know, like this is, you know, a CrossFit community. When you find a gym, that's your family, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, the owners, the dad, the, I watched your daughter grow. Like we are a solid family that I honestly, naively thought that they would want the best of me, that they would want me to grow. You know, this is me at 22, 23 years old, like naive. Like I really did think that they wanted me to be in their gym. And, you know, maybe there was a little bit of that, which was real, but it got to a point where there was conversations being made, like, you're, you're, who do you think you are? You're getting too much confidence. Anyone can do what you do. And I'm like, okay, that hurt. Like, <laughs> nobody, you know, for a while with classes at 30, I'd have to go somewhere. Let's say I had to go on vacation or something. And I would still do the programming. Everything was the same, but the coach. And those classes went to thir- from 30 people to one in a matter of two weeks. Like, that was giving... As much as it was a problem, it was giving me confidence. You know, all right. you, it, you, No one can do what you do. Like, this is obviously a lot of you that is is part of the success. And it's because of the way that you you treat people, the way that you talk to people and that you genuinely, genuinely give a shit, you know? And, uh, I remember the last words that were said between us to this day was something like, don't ever forget who made you never, you know? And that is something that will stay there forever and ever and ever and ever. And at the beginning it was like an angry motivation, like, screw you, I'm going to prove you wrong kind of thing. And somewhere along the way, again, I hope that someone can learn from this, is that is the worst motivation that you could ever give yourself because it's too deep, too personal, and it's not business. It's personal. And when you are unable to differentiate the both, you're going to affect your health, you're going to affect your state of mind, and it's just not a good thing to do. Try and switch that kind of motivation from I'm going to prove you wrong to I'm going to prove myself wrong. And that's kind of where this has all come from and still where I'm at today. is like, Holy shit. I just did that again. Like what? Oh my gosh. And it's now me against me versus me against everyone else in the world. It's a far better competition that way than, than like anger, you know?
0: Well, so I have, I have a question for you about that because I mean, I think that people generally, I believe people are are good and I think that generally people think that they're doing the best thing for the world at any given time. And the reason why we have conflict is because maybe you and me disagree on what the best thing for the world is in that moment. If you had somebody now who was coming up through your studio, you own Pump Fit Club, maybe you have coach, I don't know what your environment is with other coaches, but you see this new coach in your gym, and you're like, damn, that girl is good, or that guy, whatever it is. And they're the one with 40, 50 people in their class. And you know that they could grow past what you could afford them in that gym. And when I say afford, I don't mean financially, I mean, space, time, opportunity. How would you handle it now having been them going through it?
1: I'm doing it right now. Um, I'm doing it on on a couple of different levels. I'm you know, there's a, probably a lot to the internal part of my businesses that, that a lot of people don't know about, but there's a pump-fit club where I have a lot of coaches. We've got four to five coaches right now. And I think Is it four
0: to five or 45?
1: Four coaches. One has just got here but hasn't settled in yet, which is the one that I want to talk about. She came down for a um, free internship from Rhode Island. And she was so damn good that, that I hired her and she's now moved here to Florida. And my vision for her, which I've been very... Um, open about, and this is, again, learning from my experience, is that I never want to be a boss that offers empty dreams. And that was something that I was always offered because I've watched it happen in corporate. I've watched it happen with my my husband. I've watched it happen with my dad. I've watched it happen with myself. What does in that a, mean?
0: What, what is an empty dream? Meaning
1: like, keep working hard and if I grow, you grow. Got or it. keep doing what you're doing and it'll come back around. And you hope for that, you know, because... I always, had a, I always respected my bosses and everything that they ever said is what I honestly hoped that, that they meant. And a year would go by, two years would go by, and then you're still making the same amount of money and know what you're, you know, the business is growing, but you're not being, you're overworking and getting underappreciated, right? Or undervalued. So that's something that's huge for me that I, I mean everything that I say and I'm very transparent from the beginning. And my end goal with a good coach, obviously trust is something huge and trust is something that needs to be built over time and a lot of time. Um, but I hope one day that I can be able to give one of my coaches in, the, in my worldly, you know, in my mind of my dreams is that we open multiple pumpfits, And one day the best coaches that are now master trainers will have their own studio if they want it. And if they don't, then I will lead you up to do whatever you need to do for you. So Vicky is her name and she's incredible and I'll talk about her out loud. She moved down here to South Florida, um, but she also had her own thing going. So I understood that she had her own brand going, but it wasn't necessarily working in the environment that she was in. But she's good at what she does. She also loved our brand, and she's been involved uh, from the outside, watching us grow for the longest time. And I saw two opportunities here. I saw an opportunity for Vicky to uh, be able to capitalize her strengths, which is doing exactly what she does as a fitness professional, as well as a, a higher as our brand strategist because she's just so good at creating a brand and. And, and helping it evolve and grow. And she understands what it takes to make it a brand grow, which is something that a lot of people don't. But on the, other, on the flip, flip side, I also see that she wants to succeed as a human, as Victoria Posner, not as Fit Club, as an individual. And one of the things that we talked about whenever I was hiring her was, she said, would it be a conflict? Like you sell programs online. I want to sell programs online. And my response to her was, one hundred percent, And I will teach you everything that I've done because there are enough people in this world to go around. And the second that- So 100% talks,
0: it is not a conflict you're saying?
1: It's not a conflict at all. Right. And I, in fact, I hope that I can give her the stepping stool to succeed on alone as well as thrive through. When we have multiple people that are on my team that are pit bulls at doing what they do, more more minds are greater than one. And I hope to, to allow them to stay in their lane to grow that as a team we're like a suicide squad everyone is so strong independently and together we are unstoppable you know and that's my state of mind for my business and for everyone that comes on so
0: the way you see it with her in the future would be something along the lines of she's selling her own programs but she's running a pump fit club if she wants to so people are going to be drawn to her pump fit club because of the person who she is the brand that she's created for herself and the brand the pump fit club has has become in the area
1: just like I look at it like a Reebok, I guess, it's maybe uh, something that I've seen that I'm subconsciously doing now. Reebok doesn't uh, – maybe they do at a, at a lower level, but on the team that I was uh, able to kind of work my way up to is like you don't bring a bunch of nobodies in to try and make Reebok something. You bring a bunch of well-known names in that together create a solid uh, team that highlight Reebok, and that's my idea with PumpFit is let's find really strong independent brands that people can grow to know and together we're a lot stronger that way. That's the coach's state of mind. And then I have my, um, I call it her job title is actually director of awesomeness because I hate the word assistant. So Megan, who you've been in contact with a lot, she is so damn good. And she's so good that I understand and value her uh, her value to my businesses that we worked our way through to a point where, um, we have an incentive program now. So she knows that, The harder she works, her money doesn't stay the same. The harder she works, the more money she makes. I've given her equity of my business and she hasn't even worked for me for a year. And I just understand the value of that. And I understand the value of no matter how high your passion is for something. And I'm talking from self-experience and this is what happened to me. I was so passionate about what I did. I would show up to these classes and coach them. And a lot of the time I would show up and to rewind back to the days at the old gym, we saw another opportunity to host Fit in Miami on a beach, right? This probably won't make any sense, but just to kind of tie it back around. So after work on a Saturday, I would finish work at like 5 a.m. in the morning in a nightclub, go home, shower, drive 45 minutes to an hour to Miami, and nine times out of ten, Sean, no one would show up to my classes. Oh. That was straight passion, right? That's what I understood. Uh, this is my passion, and that's what helped me understand that Photography wasn't a passion. It was just something that I thought was cool. And that's what I thought passion was until I found fitness and coaching and trying to help people and change people's lives. But somewhere along the way, no matter how much passion you have, if you have no money, it's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I don't, and then people say money money doesn't drive me, but at the end of the day, money is a way that you feel valued or appreciated. You
0: also need it because you know? if you're hungry because yeah, you I can't afford rest. food, then right, you're not going to do exactly. a good job.
1: Exactly. You so know I mean? that's my mentality is I want people to understand that I'm never going to be a boss that offers empty promises. And don't say something unless you're going to do it. You know, and the people, if you treat your team well, your businesses will 100% thrive. It's so, a restaurant. It's not about the food that goes to the table. It's about... Taking care of the people that make the food because they're going to make the best food for the people that sit at the table.
0: Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I made a post last night, and this will date when we recorded this because this is not getting released tomorrow. But I made a post last night talking about that we should all be able to teach somebody something. And then in the content of the post, I talked about the idea that uh, you know when I start working with clients, I talk to them about not only you know oh your shoulder hurts or how are you coaching this person, how is your relationship with your wife, how is your you know how are your friends. And they're like, why does that matter? You know, why does it matter how my relationship, my wife is or my friends? I just want to be a better coach or I just want to get rid of my knee pain. And I'm like, well, because the default habits that you have will lead to you not being able to solve this, which actually is a symptom of your habits. And if, if you're stressed because of your relationship with your wife and your kids and you hate your job and, you know, you're not sleeping well at night because you're stressed and then you're waking up in the morning, the only way to get rid of your stress is to work out really hard and then you need to work out harder and longer and more often. Now you're at the gym for three hours. Now your knee hurts. The problem isn't really that you were at the gym for too long. It's that you needed right. to be there in the first place. So. Right you know, what you just said, I'm, I'm, I'm with all the way. And I think that the thing that to me that is most attractive about you is that you took what I tell people all the time and they're like, no, that's, that's bullshit, Sean. I can't do that. And it's, you looked at what would I like to be doing all day long? Like if I could wake up in the morning and do whatever I wanted to do, what would I do? And you found a way to do that. If I'm not mistaken. You know, you're traveling the world, running races. You're running Pump Fit Club. You have com. You're teaching people all over the world how to be fit and, in turn, happier with themselves. Is that what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, and uh, I'll try and go into less detail, but everything kind of came around because with all everything of being able to do what I want to do, because I stopped trying to follow the the path that I thought that I was supposed to follow. And uh, when I say that, I mean like, you know. Maybe it's going to change, and I hope that it changes in the next generation. But in my generation, as you you go to school, you you you, you graduate high school. After high school, you go to college. After college, you get the job that you went to college for. And then you continue, and you try and climb up the ladders of whatever that may be. I went to school, did very well, landed my dream job. But in that dream job that I'd been working four years to get to, it became so apparent, and I don't know why, and maybe it was because I found fitness and I could see it a lot clearer, but I understood that it was never the end goal that I wanted to, to, to have. What it was the just, job? It was to be a uh, fashion, a, a photo retoucher for one of the biggest fashion photographers here in Miami. Landed it. I sat in a room, didn't have any human interaction for seven to nine hours. I didn't say a word. Nothing came out of my mouth, and I'm staring at, A body that I'm making the waist smaller. I'm getting rid of blemishes. I'm like, this is everything against or everything totally opposite of what I'm trying to be as an athlete, right? Is I'm now creating an Instagram because I was an athlete at the time that I'm trying to say, be real, be raw, and I'm doing this all day. Like this doesn't work. So I realized that it wasn't the the end goal that was not what I wanted. It was the anticipation towards the end goal that I wanted. And but it was very apparent to me that I learned through the gym that. If I had a goal and I understood what it what I needed to do to get there, if I did X, Y, and Z, nine times out of ten, I would always reach it. And if I didn't reach it first, then you trying again a different way and I'd reach it that way. So with everything that I did, it wasn't it wasn't intentional. I whenever I landed my dream job, I said to myself, Okay, Hannah, you hate this. And it's very apparent that there's something really close by, which was the gym and the athlete and everything else. Just dive in. Give yourself one year. And I'm someone that means like organized years, deadlines, X- etc yeah, but, but
0: but that but but you just again really easy for you to gloss over the hardest things in the world for people to do. You know, you went to school, you were like, I'm gonna spend thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, to learn how to be the best photographic retoucher in the world so I can work with the best photographer in the world so that I can do this job for her, him, whatever it is. And and essentially that's what you said to yourself and then you landed it. And then you had the introspection to say, I hate this. This sucks.
1: Which don't get me wrong. was a huge battle. Like it was a mental fuckery.
0: Talk about that, please. Because there are people right now listening to this who are doing that. And they're like, no, no, no. Like I have to just stick this out. This is what you went to school for. You're going to love it. Just, you know, get through this hard part.
1: And I had maybe this is, I have my parents to thank for this because they've always supported me and kind of pushed me to follow my dreams mentality that maybe I wasn't aware of. But I had on one side, it's like, Hannah, stick it out. You can't quit. You've only worked so hard to get here, which was the photo retouching. Stick it out, stick it out, stick it out. And then another part of my mind was like, oh my God, how are you going to have this conversation with your family? Like that you're, you know, I've been talking about how I want to be wanting to do this for years. How do I say that I want to take like a huge risk and say, fuck that and try something that is right now not paying me $1. And the only reason, and the only way I'm going to be able to pursue that route is if I continue bartending and working in clubs and my family, I was so worried about saying to my parents, Hey, mom and dad, I want to quit my real job. I want to do nothing during the week other than train as an athlete and like be an athlete. Oh, and I'm still going to work in nightclubs and wear like tiny little bras and boy shorts and, flutter around until five, six in the morning. Like, how do you have that conversation with two parents that raised you to be like an incredible child and loved you? And no matter what, I was like, shit. But that was the biggest thing for me was having that conversation with them because I understood that they're probably the only people at that point that I really gave a rat's ass about their opinion. Right. So I did. And that was a huge, huge, huge battle for me. And my parents obviously being the incredible humans they are, were like, okay, after <laughs> like, oh, all of that? I was not expecting that response, and I did. And I remember sitting down with my um, counselor at school because whenever I graduated, she was put me on this list that would email me job opportunities that were in my field of uh, interest. Even though I had the other job, she kept sending me more and more and more and more. And I remember going in there and sitting down and saying, "Hey, Jody." I appreciate everything you've done. And I graduated with like best portfolio. You know, everything was aligned for me to be like exactly where I wanted to be. And I said, can you take me off the list? I'm going to remove myself from in this environment and give myself one year because I feel like I'm onto something that I'm not sure because I don't know. This is when the classes started picking up. I started to become a better athlete. People were traveling to come take these classes. I'm like, I can't do everything. I'm going to dedicate one year training every single day. I'm going to do these classes. I'm going to build them up as much as I can every single day. And if at this point next year that, that I'm not somewhere, then I know that I need to do what I've been doing. And I did it. And dude, the rest is history. Like I haven't even thought about that goal since until we're having this conversation right now.
0: That's, really, and, that, that's a really badass story.
1: Yeah. And uh, the, I remember you saying something about like me training in a group of people. Again, that was unintentional. My days just started to get so busy that I remember listening to a Gary Vee podcast one time and he said something like, if I had to, what my job is, is to, to push content, which is I inevitably exactly what I have to do too, in a very different way. But he said, if I had to get prepared to film the content that I have to film every day, then I wouldn't be able to do it. And there would be no content because there's no time. And I'm the same way. I've got a gym. And at the beginning of the gym is my husband is my business partner. Both of us coached every single class for the first eight months. We clean the shit off the toilets every night. We never had a cleaning crew up until like literally two months ago. Like we did everything ourselves. We did all the labor. We built the gym out between myself, my husband, my mom, and my dad. Like we did it all. So there was no time. And then at the beginning, I used to film my workouts and like put hair and makeup on and have someone come in and like film me and then edit them and put them up. That's not real. That's not real life. That is all me posing for a camera and trying to look pretty and suck in my belly and get this angle, make sure we're in the lighting in this area. And then I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. And one day I was so pressed on time. I hadn't posted anything for a while. I'm like, you know what? Just film me during my workout. I work out. This isn't fake. Like I work out with my gym every day, not because I'm trying to be the owner that works out with a gym, but I literally don't have time other than to just jump in an hour class, get the workout done and leave. So now I do. And I have my, uh, that my, one of my assistants that Leor that is the shit. She's amazing. She comes in, she films my real life workout. I didn't even know she's there. My eyes are closed. I've got snot coming out my nose, there's sweat, There's crotch sweat, like it's real raw footage. And then I posted it that one day because I was stressed out that I hadn't posted anything. Video blew up. I'm like, wow, that's what people want to see. They want to see me struggling. They want to see me dying. They want to see that I do this too. I don't just say I do it. I do the workout that my gym does every single day. And that's what we've done ever since. And man, that's how my Instagram started to pick up a little bit more. It's like, believe in yourself, do experiments, stop trying to do what you think that you're supposed to do. You know? And at the beginning I thought that I was supposed to take sexy pictures in lingerie. What did I do? I get a photo shoot with a lingerie photographer that is well known in this area. I post it and guess what? Everyone that followed me hated it. They're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're being that girl. Like, we're so disappointed. I'm going to unfollow you now. And it's like, wow, being real and raw is exactly what has helped me. And I'm trying to keep myself as grounded as I can by not going on social media. I have the same group of friends here. My gym have known me for years. Like they don't treat me any different than anyone else. And I've got a small circle and we just stay true to ourselves. We stay real and try and push some positive light into the world and all the charity work that we do. That's me being selfish you know, I, and, and this is just raw, honest truth again. Like I've been, and don't get me wrong. Like I have the three things that I'm grateful for. And my three goals on my mirror every single morning that I look at, I'm unbelievably grateful for the success within my career in such a short amount of time. However, it's very apparent to me that being on a DVD or on the front page of a magazine or having 300,000 people that follow me, like this is all incredible things and they're a byproduct of the stuff that I do on a daily basis, but they most definitely don't, it's not what drives me. Money doesn't drive me. Fame doesn't drive me. What I realized uh, by accident, again, what drove me and that gave me that feeling that I was chasing for doing all these jobs and traveling the world and doing all these incredible things. I would feel like shit because I would get home or sit on my bed that night at the hotel and be like, Pammy, you're a bodybuilding adult calm headquarters and you're filming as an elite trainer one of the coolest things or you're at women's health right now or you're at men's health right now or you're at at oxygen right now like the most incredible names and I would sit there and be like why don't I feel anything like I feel like I should feel something that I'm not and I feel horrible for not feeling that so I kept like putting my finger in a little bit of everything trying to feel that feeling again and I felt it when I went to Haiti and I ran all those things and you know, my body was destroyed and my, my, I wanted to just quit. And that, that, that pain is a whole different pain. But when you understand that you're doing it for such a greater reason than yourself, then that's what was like, Whoa, then we get to the orphanage you physically touch these orphans and these beautiful children that have no parents. And now everything makes sense. Now you understand why you just ran for four days and slept on human shit and like, haven't showered or brushed your teeth for almost a week and a half, you know, like now it makes sense. Like that physical touch of being in contact with human beings is what I do, what I do. You know, like the virtual stuff that we do, that's incredible. It's amazing how many people we can reach. But when I'm able to throw these camps and meet the people that follow me and be able to hug them and talk to them and give you eye contact, that is what drives me. And now that's where I've kind of had a lot of self growth over the last year and understanding that, if I'm going to be able to continue to be an influencer or host and do all these things that I do that people really enjoy, then I've got to fill my own human love tank, right? Like I got to fill my own drive, what drives me. And uh, it's charity work. I didn't realize it, but it's like human interaction and seeing what everyday effort has turned into, you know, like everything that we do, it's so fast paced. It's always so stress, high stress, high stress. And it's all okay if you can see at the end why you're doing it. But if you keep doing it without that, at an arm's reach, it becomes very much so like, what am I doing?
0: Well, so, why am I doing it? So right right before we were supposed to meet in New York and then I, I couldn't get to the city and we whatever. We had to reschedule, right? You were, you were filming in New York and now learning how impressive you are, I'm really regretting not just figuring out a way to get there. But that aside, you – And I hope I can go into this personal stuff, but you you had a friend who had recently right before that just passed on. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I remember
0: seeing you, you made a post about that and then you were in New York and I was just like, wow, like it's impressive to me that this person who is so close to her, that she's so emotionally, you know, invested in has passed away. She's coming to New York. She's still going to do this thing. And then she's going to go back. And be a part of what needs to happen. And now you told me before we started that you were part of, I guess, the morning process is you're going to go to Iceland and run around the country. Yeah. <laughs> can, you yeah. talk, can you talk about that whole experience?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, and this is where, again, I guess like you kind of get stopped in your tracks in life. Keeps throwing shit at you as you grow up. And it gives you a whole different meaning of life every time. But that's just life, I guess. Um, In November of last year, one of our best friends was diagnosed with terminal uh, cancer, stage four colon cancer, but she was six months pregnant at the time. So you can imagine uh, receiving that piece of news and, and doing, to kind of bring it back to this conversation, is like doing what I do for a living is I always try and like do great for others or, you know, change people's lives or the Haiti thing that I did, like I'd never actually known those kids. I've never really known personally a lot of the people that I do, the things that I do for. So to hear that about someone that is your best friend that you know and you love and you've watched their first child grow and you've been at every birthday, every Christmas, every, it's like, it's the most surreal feeling and I hope that no one ever has to feel it, but it's almost like you're in disbelief. And I didn't know what to do. And me, again, being a control freak, always kind of having some way of being able to do something. There's nothing you can do in this situation. I can't save her. I'm not a doctor. And no doctor can even save her. There's no money that can be raised that can fix or bring her back. Like, it is what it is. And they're her famous words. Like, she stopped me. She's like, Hannah, stop. Like, this is it. Like, it is what it is. It's, it, there's nothing we can do it's just what we do next that will determine the outcome, right? Like for the rest of the time or whatever else. So as soon as I found out, I I had to kind of like absorb what was going on. And then immediately me being me was like, all right, let me call Ashley. I'm going to call Ashley Horner, who is the chick that I did the 230 miles uh, through Haiti with last year. And I said, uh, Ashley, and I go, I need your help. And she's like, yes. I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to do? She's like anything. I'm like, she goes, what's going on? I'm like, one of my best friends is, is dying and I don't know what to do because her husband is my best friend. She has a two-year-old child. She's six months pregnant. The baby might not survive. Now Jeff is going to have to try and battle some way of losing his wife and his second child. Like this is just terrible. And so I said, all right, let's do Iceland. And I went home, I Googled Iceland. And the first thing that came up was like the entire ring road of Iceland is 828.6 miles. I'm like, Sold. Let's do it. I call Ashley. I'm like, how about running and biking around ice? And she said, all right, let's, let's go. So once I kind of had that like end goal to hold on to, that was uh, a way for me to maybe get through and be able to show my face in front of Jessica and Jeff with, that's my way of dealing is taking action because I'm not very good at being the person to say the right things or being there emotionally. That's just not the way I'm wired. I have to take action and I'm very intense. I've just got to keep moving forward. And her husband is very similar to me. So, um, I did. And I remember making my first trip up there and I spent a lot of Jessica was alive for four months and seven days before she passed from the date that she was diagnosed to the date that she passed away. And that whole experience was life changing for me to, think that you had everything figured out to having nothing figured out <clears throat> is a pretty pretty intense place to be especially when you have so much responsibility like i had still do have a lot of responsibility as far as business goes okay. but whatever this t- this like situation was going on is i decided to just take a stop and it selfishly makes you kind of stop yourself and say well holy shit who would be by my side if I was dying at this point in my life um am I doing everything Would if I was to die now would am I going to be fulfilled or satisfied with what I've done in my life thus far do I love the people around me enough do they feel the love like it makes you question just everything right everything and I remember sitting there and going up to stay with Jessica um for a few days and she was silent and she asked me why are you here <coughs> And that was like, I had known why I was there, but I hadn't told her I didn't know what to You don't know what to say. You know, you, what do you say? And, there's no, and Jessica's tolerance for small talk, I'm sure was in, in an all time low. So saying things like you're going to get through this or we're going to get through this together must be like, I want to stab you in the eye with a freaking knife right now. So I told her, I'm like, Jess, like we're not 18 anymore or 21 where all our life is, is social. It's not about going out tonight and like who's doing this at this bar or who wants to come over for dinner? No, it's a lot more like she is in a very different place than me. I look at them as comparisons is in the last few years, all I focus on is my husband and my business and my family. Right. And my business is my family. We don't have kids. They're my kids. And then Jess and Jeff, um, they have each other and they have two children and they're very successful business people. So I'm like, we don't have all of our millions of friends that would probably be by our bedside table if we were 18 going through this, but we're adults now. And I'm I'm sure a lot of people feel like they shouldn't be here. So they're too scared to get close to the situation. I refuse to do that because the family that's going through this are not necessarily in the right state of mind. I know Jessica is scared as shit regardless of what she says. She's got to be terrified. I want to be there and I wanted to know that she has the support. We don't need to talk. I could sit in a room for 12 hours and not say a damn word. As long as she knows that I'm there and that I'm not going anywhere, Like I I hope that gives her some kind of relief that she has support and she has so much love around her and that she's not going through this together uh, alone, that we're going to go through this together without having to say it. So I did. I took a lot of time over the last few months to not work and go up to Tampa and sleep on a chair and stay in the hospital for a few days and that, is something that I will never ever regret um I saw some crazy 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 shit go down that makes you value health and appreciate medical professions and kind of just appreciate life in a whole different uh aspect and it it stopped me in my tracks and and even now like it's so it's been so close um and maybe I haven't necessarily given myself enough time to process the situation but Whenever I showed up to New York that day, um, I'd been battling this and being with uh, Jessica and the whole Boswell family for quite a, quite a time, for quite a long time. So whenever Jessica passed at the end, it was devastating. Um, It was sad, but it was time. And that's something that I prepared myself as much as you can do for something like that. And we made sure that she felt loved and comfortable and had the best experience that she could before she passed and, Let me tell you, she was not supposed to be here as long as she was. She was the toughest, most resilient, fearless individual I've ever seen. Doctors were shocked as shit. They didn't understand how is this chick still here? How? She refused to quit. And I've learned so much through this experience. And if I could put it through to someone else's, appreciate what you have, make sure you're doing what you love. And if you don't make a change right now, because she was 30 years old this is not supposed to happen it was not hereditary it was so close that that could have been me that could have been you that could have been anyone like are you doing what you love do you like the quality of life that you're living you know are you happy with the person that sits by your side will they stick with you to your to your last breath like i know that that sounds so deep and intense but no one should have to go through this but if anyone can go through it and take something from it and learn then i hope that that's, that someone else can learn from what I've learned, if that makes sense. And uh, doing ice, Iceland is kind of the only thing I know to do because that's just the way I'm wired. People see it probably strange and intense and weird, but I don't know what else to do, but I know I need to do something. Um, and Jeff and I are opening up a 5013C, which Jessica's birthday was on Christmas Day, which I'm sure you can imagine is now going to be one of the hardest holidays ever for the rest of our lives. But rather than sitting home on that Christmas day and crying or drinking ourselves into sorrow, uh, Jeff and I, and, um, Je- uh, Courtney, who is Jessica's niece that is now raising her two boys. And by the way, Braden, her six month year old is strong as can be. And he survived this whole situation. And, um, if it could ever make sense one day, who knows, maybe it will <laughs> through Braden or, or her other son Channing. But until that day, Um, we're opening up a 501, three C to raise money, to try and find families that are also battling through terminal cancer on Christmas day. And we're going to go through a vetting process and myself, my husband, Jeff, her two boys and Courtney will be flying to these people's houses and making sure that they have a better Christmas, um, in some way, whether it isn't, it is an experience, a meal or anything as long as we can get a smile out of their face on that day. That's kind of what the goal is there. So, all the money from Iceland, all the money from anything that I do from this point forward will be going into the Serene Soldier 5013C in memory of Jessica Boswell.
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. I would love it if
0: you could give me a link for that so that I can make sure that it ends up in.
1: Right now, um, which is a lot. This is like the hardest part, you know? Yeah. Writing it all out and like making a website and trying to put it onto paper is pretty tough. So, we're in the process of doing that. The application has been filed for, um, and as soon as it's ready, you'll be the first to know. Well,
0: as soon as you, as soon as you have it ready, let me know, and I'll I'll help you make sure that people know about it through any avenue it. that we can do. I
1: appreciate
0: that a lot. Yeah, I think that that's a you hit on. I mean that that that's a deep story, and it's a it's an intense story, and I really appreciate you sharing it with us, especially because of the position that it puts you in to have to say I was scared, I was emotional, I was all people don't want to put that stuff out. They wanna they wanna pretend that they have it figured out and that the world is is easier for them when everybody knows it's really not. So I wanna commend you on being able to tell that story and have it turn into something positive, not just for yourself, but for other people. Cause I think that your friend Jessica would probably feel good about being able to give you that gift. You know, if nothing else, now you know without any shadow of a doubt that you're doing what you need to be doing right now and you know, no one wants it to lose a friend to find that out, but
1: yeah, it, but it is. I hope that people can can know that. And and to uh, uh, come back around to your point as to why I showed up in New York, I battled with myself, and there's a whole bunch of other crap that happened in between. Um, uh, Jessica passed on Tuesday, on the Tuesday, and then the Friday we had another passing in the family, so had to get on a plane and fly to Brazil and and be there for that, which is another family emergency, which kind of was insane that this is happening twice a month a week but whenever i got back from brazil and was debating if i should show up to new york it's like these people are here for you but right now you need these people you know like again from admittedly a selfish point of view like if i stay home and cry which is all i wanted to do or get some sleep because it feels like it's been six months since i've slept then first of all i'm not going to feel the love from the people that are here for me and they're not going to feel the love from me and that they're here for. So when I went there as the first thing I said, when I opened up and I try not to cry or whatever, you know, like I'm not very good at that, but I did. I started bawling my eyes out. I'm like, this is more, even more apparent to me now that I need you guys. Like you guys think that you need me, like no one understands. And it was a camp for people that have follow us for the Alliance. It was Ashley and myself. People have flown all around the country to be there, to see us. And it, it turned into something very different for me. It recharged my batteries. And it gave me a very clear understanding of how no, you need to brush your shit off, get up and get your head back in the game and like just continue moving forward. And today is actually because last week was the celebration of Jessica's life. Everything is kind of wrapping up now. And now it's the hardest part, right? Like before it's we've had stuff to do all the time, and you know, we've always got stuff, and now it's like Phew. now that's all done. Like now what? Maybe this is the time that we need to process, but also like continue. Because that the famous words came from Jeff. A husband, which is Jessica, would not want this. Like she wouldn't want tears at her celebration of life. No one was allowed to wear black. Everyone had to have a margarita in their hand. We had a, a band there. We did it on the beach so that they got married. It was all colorful, pink, very positive um, feeling. And her husband is the reason behind that. And he is someone that I have to, I hope to be half the person that he is one day. Which is still shows up with a smile on his face even though he's putting his wife to bed every night at the hospital knowing that she may not wake up the next day coming home to his two-year-old son that doesn't understand where mommy is or daddy is at this point and still staying up till midnight which is against the rules of his routine but making sure that he gets time in with his son and that his son is smiling feels loved and it's like whoa how do you do that how do you do that and that to me was like whoa you, you can't cry. You can't, like, stay inside. you got to get up and be by that guy's side. And, like, together, all three, four, five of us are just, we call ourselves the bomb squad because there's baby puking everywhere. <laughs> there's, like, terrible things going on, but we're still smiling. We're still moving forward, and we're still doing what we know what Jessica would want. If she saw us crying, she might be five foot, but she would tell us to get the fuck up and get over it. Like, she's a little firecracker. So... All of this drive is like Jess's voice barking at us to quit being a worse or shrug it off kind of thing, and get up and brush it off and walk walk forward kind of mentality. So it's it's been a very interesting um, experience, but I feel good. I feel like I've grown a lot. I feel like it's changed me and it's definitely put things in perspective and given me a reason to find my reason again, which is what... I always push to other people, find your reason, find your reason. And for a while before Jess got sick, I think maybe mine was lost. And now I have a very, very, very clear understanding of what I'm doing, where I'm at and where I want to go.
0: Well, I can tell you that that's the first time I've ever teared up on my own podcast.
1: What? You're tearing up? Don't Oh my do that. God. I, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm married. I
0: have a wife. She's, you know, we have a three-year-old and a almost a year old. And I'm like putting myself in that situation. That's hard.
1: Yeah, dude. your situation is very very close to that and it's not to ever 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 say that in that way at all but like what it was for me was like shit yeah that could be me like but it wasn't and that's a blessing that it wasn't so the fact that it wasn't me take that and honor that and Mm -hmm. like live by that
0: yeah no that's that you're right and that's awesome so I want, I appreciate you sharing that story. I think it, I think it adds a lot to this interview because it, it gives us some depth to not just, you know, who you are, but, but how, you know, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And there's something to leave it on is, uh, understand that everyone is fighting a battle. Like, because uh, a lot of people didn't know that Jess is even sick up until she died, but I'd been there every week, but no one, there's a lot of things about me that people don't know, you know, that everyone's fighting a battle and, uh, no one's battle is worse than anyone else's, um, but know that you know if someone isn't being a certain way, that it probably isn't because of you. It's because they're going through some shit on their on their own, mm-hmm. on their own dime, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had somewhere okay. I wanted to go after. I don't know if I can go there now, though. It, you know, right,
1: I do that. let's go. Well, it
0: was it was just it's just because it's so trivial now compared to what we were just talking about. So I'll ask you some quick questions, and you'll let me know. Yeah, First question is, it would be extremely easy to describe who you are in a crowded room. You know, oh, you're looking for the tall girl with the bright red hair who's pretty, pretty shredded. Oh, got it. That one right there. I see her. Have you ever had somebody show up to one of your classes who all of a sudden has bright red hair? Oh, yeah. That's Awesome.
1: It is. It's so awesome. That's
0: so cool. People
1: like tag me on Instagram and I have to double take. I'm like, oh, she's Asian. She's like really tall and she has red hair and she's jacked. We have going to start a squad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's,
0: it's like wearing your jersey. That's what that is.
1: Oh man, it's, it's a cool thing. But I'm ready to dye my hair black, dude. You should see. I have white stuff that is not white anymore. My, my husband's ready to get, find a new wife, I think.
0: I don't think he's going to go that far.
1: I don't know about it. <laughs> All white couches have a pink stain on, white towels, forget about it. Like,
0: it's, it's rough.
1: High maintenance.
0: Well, it's cool though. It looks cool, that's for sure. Um, Do you feel, the last thing I really wanted to know is do you, I feel like you fill a void. I just yesterday was going to look for new cars and I wasn't thinking about this podcast. And then when they said something, I was like, boom, holy crap, that's what I'm gonna be talking about tomorrow. And I was looking for a car and they were like, you know, we're a brand that likes to fill a space that other cars have left. Essentially, they're like, you know, there's not that many people making station wagons anymore. So they made a station wagon. I, I'm buying a Buick for those people who are like, oh, who's he talking about? Super exciting, buying a Buick. Um, but you know, that's what happens that with kids. Yeah, I refused to get a minivan, even though my friend said, dude, you're not that cool and nobody cares. Minivans are awesome. And I was like, I'm not driving one. So,
1: um,
0: so they're like, you know, we have they're like we have a station wagon that other people don't have one. So while most people don't want a station wagon, those who do have to come get one now from us. And and they have a few different examples like that. And when he said that, I was like, I'm interviewing Hannah tomorrow. I don't know how my mind went to you, but I'm like, I'm interviewing Hannah tomorrow, and I kind of feel like. She's doing the things that I saw people doing in the eighties, the nineties and the early two thousands with like the exercise videos and you could follow along at home. It was, I'm here in the front of the room. This is my beginner person over here to the right of me. This is my intermediate person here to the left. So pick your favorite person and follow along. Here we go. Three, two, one. And I kind of feel like, yeah, like that's, that's what you're doing. And I, I remember there was an old Israeli guy. I think his name was. Galee, or I'm going to, like I said, I'll find it and send it to you. But, um, I feel like that void has been like, it's just massively left. And now here you are filling it. Thank you. You're welcome. But have, have you ever, like, do you draw any inspiration from that kind of stuff? Or is it just, this is just, it just happened on you.
1: It kind of just happened. Um, you know, it wasn't intentional, but now you've said it, it definitely, you're right. I feel like the Richard Simmons of 2018. The authenticity of kind of not really giving a shit as far as personality goes of uh, being real because everyone else is really good at pretending uh, and I'm not. So rather than failing at that, just capitalize your strength of being a total weirdo and just embracing your uniqueness whatever that may mean um as far as like the three level thing uh that for me is maybe something that I picked up from CrossFit and they as much as I was a avid CrossFit athlete I always used to feel really bad for people that had to write on the board DNF did not finish like how do you feel going home from the gym that day you know that hurts a little bit although you know the goal is to get there one day that's when injuries happen because you usually jump too high to try and get there and then you're in trouble So with the the intermediate, the the beginning and the advanced levels within the the workouts that I do is uh, the classes that I have at at Pumfit Club is we can have a 72 year old member in the same class as an elite athlete because we want to make sure that everyone feels equal. If that makes any sense, Uh, not necessarily equal in strength or performance or ability, but equal in the fact that you're all here trying to do the same thing, which is to better yourselves. So I don't ever prescribe weight. Uh, I don't think that's fair because if you can't handle it, you may feel like you're weak. Um, or that you may hurt yourself trying to handle it. So I will make sure that people do the best of their ability. So if you want to move faster, then you do more. If you want to go lift heavier, then you lift heavier. But you can lift as light or as heavy as you'd like. You move as fast or as slow as you like, but we're all feeling the same energy and we're all bettering ourselves together. There's no separation for ability levels. Um, We make sure that we cater to it all. We have regressions. We have um, a lot of more advanced movements if you want them. But, um, yeah, it wasn't intentional, but it, I guess it kind of worked.
0: Well, I think you're doing awesome. I think that you are probably a much better leader than you even recognize that you are.
1: Well, thanks, man. That, that's really cool.
0: You're welcome. Um, where can people find you? Because I, I I, I've i already gone over on your time, and I'm really enjoying the time that you're providing me.
1: Hey, listen, it's fine. I've only got one more meeting at, at, like, 1130, so we can go for a little bit longer. All right. So people can find me. Uh, social media is... Some cool stuff to look at, that's for sure. Uh, Hannah Eden underscore fitness. But I offer a few different training programs that are online uh, at hannahedenfitness.com. So I offer ebooks, which is one time digital download that usually lasts from about six to eight, 12 weeks. Or I have my subscription, which is, I guess, something that I would compare to a uh, regular gym membership. It's a cheaper version, it's $29.99 a month, and you get six workouts a week. And uh, you go as you please. I managed to figure out a way for people to do the pump fit workouts that we do here locally in Fort Lauderdale virtually online. Um, I know you don't have me physically there with you, but I've done my best to try and give you that feeling. And the online community within the Facebook, the private Facebook groups that we have is definitely a way for me to be able to kind of give my personal um, a personality towards these people or to these people that are around the globe. And we do follow along workouts. We do a lot of live Q&As and Make sure that I try and stay as active on that group as possible, um, and yeah,
0: awesome, Hannah. You are a an exciting ball of energy to me. You know, like you, it's it's just like you, you're the kind of person. If I was in Fort Lauderdale, I would come to your class, not even knowing if I would be into that kind of fitness for myself, but I would come because. The entertainment that's going to occur in that class. It's like going, it feels like I'd be going to a rock concert every single time I get into the gym.
1: You could say that. You could say that. More of a a house like rave. You know, we like that loud house music. Everything is going nuts. It's yeah. a good time. Perfect. We party through fitness, that's for sure. <laughs> I love
0: it. Well, I appreciate you coming on today and, and giving me some time. I, I learned a lot and I enjoyed this very, very much.
1: Well, me too. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here.
0: You're welcome. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Active Life podcast. Remember, guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a review, a comment, whatever you can do to help us out. We really appreciate it.